And we want to send a blessing off to you. You guys, uh, for 12 years, have just, like Leslie said, held the rope. You were the first people we came and talked to, immediately came around us, and have walked with us the whole way. In Philippians 1, uh, 3 through 6, where Paul is talking in with his joy to the Philippians church, um, I want to kind of uh, insert our feelings toward you in this as I read this scripture. We thank our God every time we remember you, CBC. In all of our prayers for all of you, we always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel in East and Central Africa. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. See, the Lord is going to keep using your efforts, your works, building his kingdom until the day he returns. And so it's very hard for us to say goodbye and to leave right now. Uh, but we know the Lord is, is carrying on just fine without us. He's going to keep using all of the things that you guys did there. And he's going to keep using it until he returns. And we just praise Jesus for that. And we praise Jesus for you guys that have walked with us so faithfully. So thank you. It's my joy to get to share uh, the message with you today. And... Uh, it's also my joy to share the message in the, in the churches. We, we drove by it last night, and of course we hadn't seen it yet, and we were like, whoa, church is huge. <laughs> back from, you know, when we started going here in 95, and then we came back in 2000, and yeah, I mean, the church has just grown, and we just praise uh, the Lord for that so much. And it's a joy for us to be here, as Leslie said. So we're going to be, and the text today is going to be in uh, Ephesians, um, Oh, here's my dog, Pickles. We hadn't talked about Pickles yet. Pickles, uh, you know, we got him in Kenya, and then we wanted him to come back with us, but it was very complicated for him to come back. Leslie worked with the CDC trying to get a permit. It took a long time. And then finally, in the fall, Pickles was able to actually join us. Um, Pickles is special because he's named after my great-grandfather, who was a missionary in Madagascar in 1900, and he had a burrow that he would ride on named Pickles. So that's where Pickles got his name. Pickles is kind of, um, being a Navy family, we also run a tight ship. And one of the things that we run a tight ship with is, is that Pickles is not allowed to uh, go underneath the dining room table, you know? Like when we're eating, you know? Like, you know, the dog, like going under the table and stuff like that. But he's a biblical scholar, and he's always reminding me. He, he loves to say verses, you know, to me. And, his favorite verse, well, he really only says one verse to me, and that's Matthew 15, 26, where he says, but master, even the little dogs get to eat underneath the table. <laughs> I tell him, you're, you're totally out of context. That's not appropriate. My wife gives me a hard time because I personify everything, you know. Like I was taking the Christmas tree to the, to the dump in January, and, and I'm talking to the tree. No, you're a beautiful tree. You're a beautiful tree, and you still smell good, but you've been with us for a month. It's time to go. I don't know. So if you see me talking alone sometime, just know that I'm kind of a nut job already, you know. So uh, let's go ahead and pray again, brothers and sisters. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to uh, be together. And um, Lord, I've prepared a message, but what we really want to hear from is your Holy Spirit that would talk to each one of us and to um, hear what you want to be heard, Lord. So um, would you just direct... Um, our thoughts, our minds towards you as I speak, and may I speak the words that you want me to speak today, dear Lord. We love you, Father. 
Amen. Psalm 156 reminds us that everything that has breath should praise the Lord. And that is a, a great reminder for us to start with every day, right? And our God is on a mission um, to restore what has been broken. Because that's the way it used to be, where everybody that had breath was praising the Lord. And, but there are many people nowadays that don't know the Lord, do they? They don't know our Father yet. You know, they might be uh, the Lurim people that you see on the left there in South Sudan in this kind of idyllic place that you have helped translate multiple books of the Bible now, and the Lurim have a church now, as Leslie mentioned, uh, which they didn't before you sent us out. Many mission partners working on that, but you had a huge part of that. There's the mission field that's far, far away, and then there's the mission field right on Blanding Boulevard. I took a photo of, uh, you know, off the internet, and there's Beals, if Beals is still around, but the mission field that is right here, right here on Blanding Boulevard, that is close to us. You know, I like to take the bus. Um, in my town of Olympia, south of Seattle, the bus is free, so why wouldn't you take the bus? It's nice. Uh, on the bus, some of the buses have a sign that say, um, have a destination. And that sounds kind of funny, but a lot of people are just on the bus because they're cold. <laughs> they're cold and they want to get on the bus. So it's kind of a gentle reminder to say, have a destination if you're getting on the bus. Uh, well, a couple months ago, I was riding the bus, and this time when I was riding the bus, uh, the um, person across from me, he was a young man, maybe in his early 20s, something like that, really in worn clothes, and he was dutifully doing something on his phone. And I saw something very interesting on his hand. It, it, it was a tattoo, and it, and it said in big green ink letters, tattooed H-O-P-E, hope. I thought, man, that's cool. Very cool. And I'm thinking, okay, I want to engage him on this. How can I engage him on this? What can I say? What are you hoping in for? You know, I want to have a conversation with him. So I'm thinking about that, and then I see his left hand. L-E-S-S. Hopeless. Tattooed on his body. It's powerful. So my mind's racing. I want to talk to this guy. How can I engage him? It's difficult. People got phones. They're on their phones. But I'm trying to, so I start asking a few questions with him. He responds in short answers. Um, I say, hey, where are you going? You know? And um, he said, I'm drifting. That's what I'm doing. The bus stopped, and off he went. Hopeless. Such pain, such honesty, such brokenness, a calling card tattooed on his body of hopelessness. Well, do you remember what it was like to be hopeless before you knew Christ? For some of us, we've been believers a long time, and it, it, can, it can feel like a long time ago. What was it like to be hopeless? Now, we're going to read Ephesians 2.1 if you want to get your Bibles out there. Ephesians 2, 1 through 13, 
And as we read it, I want you to think about a time, that time that you were hopeless, that you didn't have Christ. And if you have been a believer all of your life and you don't really know that time, praise Jesus. That's the, that's the best testimony I've ever heard is someone that actually loved the Lord all their life, were told about the Lord, became a Christian at an early, early age. Praise Jesus. But if that's you, then try to think of a time that, that for someone else that they are still hopeless or... Uh, the time that if you didn't know Jesus, that you were hopeless. Ephesians 2, picking up at verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you were who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Amen. Praise Jesus. Do you remember that time when you didn't have hope? I want to show you this slide again real quickly, and this was just a slide that Leslie showed, and it's a slide to me of hope. People hearing the gospel, intersecting the gospel, some for the first time in unreached people groups, some pastors being trained to go out and, and, and do that throughout their communities in Africa. But it's a slide of, of hope. I want to show you another slide, and it's a slide of despair. This is a slide that I took off from the CDC website. From 2000 to 2020, the suicide rate in the United States has increased 30%. 30% during this 20 years. This is uh, male and female average, 30%. A slide of hopelessness. You know, without God, despair and hopelessness make sense. What people are experiencing makes sense that you would be hopeless if you didn't have something to truly hope in. Now, as believers in the gospel, we are all commissioned, aren't we? We don't just commission people and send them off far away. We all have received this commission to go out and reach people with the gospel. I want to share three things that have been helpful to me and uh, as reminders, and I hope will be helpful to you. 
in sharing, in, in using your commission. Prayer, purpose, and proximity. Now, prayer. Whew, prayer's hard. It's hard because we often don't see those immediate results, right? And it's hard to labor, labor in prayer, but it's the place we need to start. It's the place we always need to start. And the answer um, in how we do that is look at our model, Jesus. You know, I, I went through and just listed some slides here quickly on the different times that Jesus was in prayer in the Gospels. Didn't list them all, but just a few of them. And it's amazing how much he was in prayer. Um, Jesus at his baptism, before preaching, he was praying. Before he had a major decision, uh, he prayed all night. You guys remember what that decision was? The selecting of the 12 disciples. He prayed all night about that decision. Um, before teaching his disciples to pray, he, he uh, was praying himself, and then his disciples came up to him and said, teach us to pray. When he was hurting, when he was weeping, he prayed. That would be when Lazarus was in the tomb, and he saw the sorrow of his brothers and sisters, and he prayed to the Father. Jesus prayed for himself, believers, and future believers. That would be us. Um, in John 17, the whole chapter is him praying. <clears throat> and here's one that I really find fascinating. Jesus praying for Simon Peter. Uh, Satan had asked to sift Simon. You know, last year you guys went through gentle and lowly. And uh, there's so much goodness that's going on in that book about the character of Jesus. But one of the things really was, uh, that was brought out too was the, how Jesus is our advocate and he's our intercessor. Satan actually has had permission to come and ask Jesus, hey, can I sift Peter? Fascinating. And then Jesus prays on Peter's behalf. He advocates, he intercedes for Peter. Um, that's fascinating. Praise Jesus that he is <laughs> interceding and advocating for us. And Jesus' final dying breath was a prayer to the Lord. Uh, he, he modeled how we should be praying and, and praying, and he was doing it because he wanted to stay in tune to what the Father was doing. And this is fascinating because Jesus is God, but yet he's spending all night in prayer <laughs> To determine the 12 disciples, um, it, it, it's mind-boggling. How much more do you think we should be in prayer? I know um, we are doers, and so we want to run off and do. We want to go do things. We wanna... But the first place we need to start is in prayer. Do we have in our personal lives seasons of open-ended prayer with the Lord? Is our life structured in that way that we... We um, have times of prayer that don't have to have an end, that don't have the clock telling us that the Holy Spirit needs to stop, and we, uh, I don't, don't want to touch on toes, but that, that's how I feel a lot of times, right? I feel like, oh, I, I've got 45 minutes, I'm going to have some devotions, I'm going to pray, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but do we have seasons of, of prayer that are open-ended where the Lord can continue to talk with us? 
you know, purpose. I think we'd all agree in, in Isaiah 43, 7 and other places in the scriptures that says we're created for the glory of God. That was even mentioned today in our singing. Uh, Joseph mes- uh, mentioned it. Um, that is, our purpose is to glorify God. But Ephesians 2.10 is also reminding us that God in his sovereignty has created good works for us to do. He's ordained them ahead of time. It's fascinating. <laughs> How do we know what those good works are? I think that's a good question. Well, the answer, let's go back to Jesus. He knew in John 5.19 what the Father was doing. That's where he would go and work. That's where, how he knew. He says, I tell you the truth, the son can, only, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever his father does, the son also does. Prayer, communion with the father, allows us to know what he is doing. All 66 books of the Bible um, remind us that our father is on a mission, a mission to reconcile us back to him, a mission to bring uh, the fellowship that we once had in the garden where we were not fearing, where we were uh, not ashamed, uh, where we were walking with him. He's been on a mission since that time to restore that fellowship, and the, 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 the books of the Bible re- remind us of that. His mission is to give himself glory because that is the where, where it should be. His mission is to reconcile us back to him. So if we want to know what we should be doing, we watch the Father. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us in that. But we should be seeing ourselves involved in his mission of reconciliation with the Father because that is what he is on mission doing. You know... Jesus also directs our steps um, in how we should be living prayer, understanding our purpose. But also if we look at, the, at Jesus, he was in proximity, proximity of the people, close proximity to the people at all times. He was with the people, serving them. And what's interesting about what, how he would serve people He was with the people, and he was serving the people that were worthy and that were unworthy. (laughs) And I think a lot of times we think of, uh, you know, first century, uh, just people that are destitute, poor, having problems um, in tough circumstances, and we think, oh, he was there ministering to them. But he was also at the same time ministering to the people that were drunks, bums, didn't want to work, who knows what, you know. Um, Sin is sin. Sin's the same now as it was back then. He didn't differentiate between the worthy people and the unworthy people there. He was ministering to all people. I think in ministry that can can affect us all when we think about it gets hard to minister to people and to be with people and bringing them hope when they continue to make bad choices continue to do foolish things. In South Sudan, where we operate, that's where probably most of the ministry is going on. Constant fighting's happening. Tribalism, uh, one tribe fighting another tribe, maneuvering for land. South Sudan um, was in its own civil war for 30-some years, and then 
In 2013, South Sudan, or 2011, South Sudan became its own country, got independence, and 18 months later, they went into their own civil war themselves. Constant fighting going on. So it could be tempting to say, you know what, what are we doing here? Why, why are we here um, trying to church plant, trying to share the gospel? It's just foolishness after foolishness that's going on. But that's exactly where we need to be to bring transformation. The gospel is where we need to be bringing it to the people that are making foolish decisions <laughs> over and over at times. We, um, we can get burnout, we can get exhausted, we can get frustrated, and we can say, you know, I've tried that, I've tried to help, but it's just they keep repeating the same thing. And that does not mean that we are enablers going in and enabling poor decision-making, but being with people that are making good decisions and bad decisions is what our Savior did, and that's what we need to do, is be in close proximity to the people that have no hope. The Father is on a mission to return things back to the way they were when everything that had breath Praise the Lord. And he knows that fellowship and intimacy with him uh, goes hand in hand with his mission. When we are in working on his mission, we develop a closeness with the Father. Because often we're getting bruised at times because we are in the ministry of reconciliation. Bringing the gospel to people hurts at times. But like any adversity you have gone through, the people that you've gone through that adversity, you've grown very close to, haven't you? You felt a strong bond of a connection with them. And that's the way it is with the Father. If we are pursuing the things that He is pursuing, then we have this close bond of this, this closeness that He knows is there and He wants for us. Our adversary, Satan, is not pleased with um, us trying to interfere with people that are hopeless. They're happy that that man got off the bus, uh, that that the devil is and, and the dominion of darkness because he's hopeless and he's wandering around and that's where, that's where Satan wants him. If we interfere with that and if we work in this ministry of reconciliation, there will be adversity that comes to us. I know that um, one of the, you know, Satan seems to use the old tricks, the old standbys that, that he always use, uses when he wants to trip us up. Mine, personally, he loves to use is bringing back old sins, old doubts, um, just failures that I've had, what may it be, and I have to constantly remind him of Romans 8.1 that there is now no, therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I say it to me, I say it to him, I say it again, but it's a constant thing that comes up in my mind. And that can discourage me, and that can keep me out of prayer. It can keep me out of my purpose in following Jesus and bringing others to the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 13 reminds us that the blood of Christ has brought us near to God, as Paul says to us. But let us not forget what it was like when we had no peace, no joy, no hope. We can forget that. And he says... Remember, remember what it's like. This is a challenge for me. Do I need to make changes now in 2013? And I, and I ask it of you as well. 
I'm com- we're coming from full-time ministry and now taking jobs, and we'll be going to, just like you guys are doing, working jobs and then doing ministry as well. And do I need to make changes, and how do I structure that, especially with the dynamics of life going on right now? We have many people that are working from home. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you just moved to a new community. How are you going to make sure that your proximity is intersecting those people that have no hope, that don't know Jesus? Do you need to make changes this year to make sure your life is intersecting those people? I know I need to be very careful of that. Leslie and I do as we set up life back here in America. Here's our brothers and sisters, the Pocot people worshiping together. A joyful time. We take lots of effort to go far, far away places, but let us remember that our real mission field is here, right around us in our area of influence. Now, maybe you're here today and you don't really have hope in Christ that Paul is talking about in Ephesians 2. Because I've been talking a lot about remember your past hope. I mean, when you were hopeless and now that you have hope. But maybe you don't have hope. Maybe, maybe that tattoo, H-O-P-E, hopeless is not physically on your hands, but, but it's there in your heart that you really haven't called upon the Savior. You don't know the Lord. I want to encourage you that... Um, this passage here, reread it again over and over. But remember, this passage is specifically telling us that the gift of salvation is free. It is by grace. It is not by works. It's the free gift of God. When you are around other, uh, other people, other churchgoers, you can feel like it's about works at times because people are trying to live a holy life, but it's not. All of us are sinners. Nothing that we can do. Going to Africa is not going to get you to heaven. Nothing you can do is going to get you to heaven. It's a free gift of God. Let us remember to bring hope to people. And if this acronym of prayer is where you, you know you need to start, purpose, reminding yourself of your purpose and the Lord's purpose, and then making sure that you have proximity with people that... Uh, are without hope. Let us use that as a reminder to bring the hope of Jesus into the world. Let's go ahead and pray. Gracious Father, we praise you um, as Ephesians reminds us and tells us that we were without hope at time, at a time when we didn't know you, Jesus. And You, by your grace, came and um, brought Jesus. You sacrificed him on the cross. You sacrificed yourself on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And it's a great gift. And Lord, the, the Pocot people there, many of them are coming to know the Lord. And there are people far, far away coming to know the Lord. But you are concerned about each person here in this auditorium in this church today that they know you, Father. And so, 
Jesus, um, we just ask that you would bring anyone into your kingdom that doesn't know you today here, Father. And if you don't know the Savior, if you want to come to Jesus today, it's not complicated. It's, it's easy, brothers and sisters. It's easy. All you have to do is say, I repent of my sin, meaning I don't want to do it anymore. And I, Father, I want you, dear Jesus, to be my Savior. And everyone here might know the Lord, and that's wonderful. But I'm just going to ask, if you don't know the Lord and you want to come to Jesus, now is the time. <clears throat> if hopeless is in your heart right now, it doesn't have to be. And if you want to call upon Jesus, I just ask you to raise your hand right now. And I'm going to look out and see, does anybody not know Jesus? Because we don't want to leave here that unsettled. You are an awesome Godfather. And we thank you that you're working in our lives. As Pastor Matt said earlier, the most important thing is not what we're doing, but our relationship with you is, is growing. Dear Father, use us in 2023 to give hope that you gave us, dear Lord. We love you, Father, and we praise your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.